I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Honor the Texas flag. I pledge allegiance to thee, one state, under God, indivisible. All right, those two things were things that I said every single day for the beginning of school in second, third, fourth, and fifth grade. And I can't remember if it was sixth, seventh, and eighth, but for sure in elementary school, I said the Pledge of Allegiance and the Texas Pledge of Allegiance every single day. Now, I'd say it's controversial, right? Because there's that whole under God clause, you know, but that's not, that's not where I want your attention to be focused today. I want, I want to ask, why do we have our kids state the Pledge of Allegiance? Did you know, 46 out of 50 states have laws saying you have to say the Pledge of Allegiance if you're in public school every, every time you meet. So like, why, why do we have our kids, what, what are we aiming to accomplish here by saying the Pledge of Allegiance every single day? I don't know. We, that's, a, that's a conversation, right? You know, I mean, it'd it, it, kind of be a fun one. You can talk all about, you know, politics and patriotism and maybe even separation of church and state and all, all those good, good, good stuff. But we'd probably say that the reason why the government has state uh, or laws mandating that, that you would say the Pledge of Allegiance as a kid is to generate patriotism, right? Some sort of pride in your country and some sort of identity, like this is who I am and therefore this is where I stand, um, I've got a tougher question for you. Uh, what are our kids actually pledging, right? Like, what does it mean to pledge allegiance to a flag or even the republic for which it stands? Like, what, what, like are, are our kids pledging that they'll always live in the United States? Or is it that they'll never accept citizenship in another country? That they're fully allegiant? Is it that they'll always do whatever the government tells them? Is that what they're pledging? You know, like, is, is it that they, they pledge that in some way they will serve the nation, whether it's through uh, armed forces or governmental duty, you know, or they'll run for elected office, you know, be on a school board. Or so. It's like, well, well, no, I don't think it's any of that. Well, what are they doing? What, what are they pledging allegiance to? Or what does that mean to say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and the republic for which it stands, right? Um, I, I actually don't know, <laughs> right? But if, if it doesn't mean anything, and you're just saying the words, are you still pledging something? Or is it you're just doing what you're supposed to do? Because, well, every single student has to do that in every school every day that they meet. Uh, we're in a, a sermon series. We're reading through the book of Deuteronomy, and we found that the book of Deuteronomy is not some old dusty rule book, you know, written to some ancient people that we really can't even understand or relate to. Uh, it's, it's instead this document that expresses this relationship and partnership, even love from God to his people and his people back to God. And it's all part of God's plan for how he's going to restore the world, bring it back to the original design where we get to rest with him and his creation in perfect harmony. Uh, today we're going to be reading uh, the passage that is the Pledge of Allegiance in the Bible. Uh, there's Orthodox Jews, even to this day, twice daily will recite two of these verses that we're going to be reading. It's very much centering in identity, um, not just for the nation of Israel, but for us as well. You'll probably recognize it um, as we go through it. I'm in Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is the passage called the Shema. If you've heard of it by its Hebrew name, Shema is just the first word that it starts with, meaning here. Listen. All right, I'm going to read Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9, and it should be up behind me uh, if you don't have it in front of you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, 
The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This is the Pledge of Allegiance to God, that you will love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Um, I want to note that this is the proper response to God's love for us and for his people. We've said that the whole book of Deuteronomy is... uh, This is like our first week in the series. When we were looking at the context, uh, God had just rescued Israel out of Egypt and said, you will be my people. But he didn't just say, now you owe it to me to act like it. He's saying, no, no, no. This is all part of a bigger plan where I'm going to partner covenantally with people in order to bring things back to the garden or from our perspective, maybe push things forward to the new heaven and the new earth when everything gets made right. And he enters into these loving, committed partnerships with humans where he says, I will choose you and you will be my worker here on earth. I will love you. And then here's how we will together demonstrate to the world what this looks like to go forward. And so Israel has this incredible opportunity where they've been selected by God. Uh, He makes it clear to them, it wasn't because you were any good. You weren't any greater than any other nation. In fact, you were the worst of all nations, but I chose you. And so now you will be my people Do you want to enter into this partnership? It's an invitation to partner with God through his love that's already been demonstrated and that he's promising will continue to go forward. And now he says, now here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to demonstrate what it looks like to be my people, that that you will worship me and me alone, that you will love me with all your strength, all your heart, with all your soul. This becomes our proper response to God's love. And I want to make that point just because I think it's, uh, maybe in vogue a little bit to, to even recognize that maybe there's a God or a deity that loves us or even Jesus, you know, he, he's a, a man, great teacher. He loved us, maybe even died for us as a martyr, whether if you don't believe he's God, but then, you, then people might say, uh, but, but I, I feel like I uh, want to pursue some sort of spiritual fulfillment, you know, but not specific to God, you know, where it's, well, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll study some teachings of Jesus, but I also really value kind of the Eastern mysticism teachings, and I think there's a lot of good stuff that, you know, some of these other religions might be uh, offering, or, or perhaps they even say it's not, uh, uh, it's not a particular religion, but it's like, I'll, I'll kind of make my own, right? I just want to be one with everyone else, or one with uh, uh, nature, you know, or, or be real sensitive to other people, or uh, perhaps someone thinks that God is good and it's just, well, thank you and you just receive it and it doesn't drive you anywhere. You know, you don't need any sort of extra fulfillment. Uh, what this verse is saying is that when God loves us, when he enters into our world and gives us blessings or chooses us, the only response is for us to reciprocate back with undivo- undivided, devoted love to God. That's the one response, that this, the proper response that we have um, if someone receives God's love, they can't just enjoy it. It's meant to be, okay, enjoyed, reflected back in this posture. And then we got to go through each one of these verses one by one. These have been um, dissected verses uh, when it comes to uh, what it means because it's so important uh, to what the Bible has to say. 
Uh, first of all, it's notoriously difficult to translate this first verse, the hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Uh, Moses, when he said it or when he wrote it down, it seems like he might have forgotten a few verbs. So the, the Hebrew, like if you, if you just read it, it just says, hear Israel, uh, the Lord or Yahweh is, is his personal name that he uses. It says, Yahweh, our God, Yahweh one. And so it's left a little mystery to all of us English translators to say, okay, well, what, what did he mean by Yahweh, our God, Yahweh one? Um, it, it, I don't know. Do, if you guys have Bibles, let me see if it's here in, in the Bibles that we get. Yeah, so there's a, a footnote where it says, right after the Lord our God, the Lord is one, there's a footnote that says, or the Lord our God is one Lord, or the Lord is our God, the Lord is one, or the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Like you, you, can, you can tell translators are kind of like, I mean, we aren't quite sure where to put the verbs in here. Uh, but the, the, main, the main decision point is this oneness of God. Is it saying that God is unique, that he is our only God, you know, like that, that God alone, right? So that all the nations have their other gods, but you will love the Lord your God alone. You know, he's the only one that gets your devotion. He's unique, right? Or is it saying something about the nature of who God is? His singularity or his wholeness, his unity, right? Like a monotheistic God. He's not the deity behind other sub-deities. No, he is the one. Uh, both of those are supported biblically, you know, throughout the rest of the Bible. So neither of those, I'd say, are wrong. Um, but I think the context is focused mainly on, on being the sole focus of the nation of Israel, right? When you're, you're loving the Lord your God with our heart, your soul, and your mind, it's only for this God. He has chosen you, and you, in turn, will choose only him. But you, that one, I will, you, can, you can interpret it one of those other ways. Um, that's why I like the NIV. I think they're pretty honest if they translate it a certain way. If you have other translations, they'll, they'll kind of pick a different path. Um, but, but I like the footnotes in there uh, when, when there's difficulty translating. Uh, the next verse, though, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Uh, it's helpful to look at what is a heart, what is a soul, and what is strength uh, in the Hebrew language to understand what did Moses mean when he's commanding, he's beseeching Israel to commit this love toward God. Uh, the ancient uh, Hebrew language didn't have uh, words or concept for like brain, like kind of the way that we would think of as like the center of your uh, thought process, your choices, your strategic thinking, your decisions, all of that was from your heart. It, it, that's the center of who you are. That's like your control center of, of your body, of, of your whole person. Like uh, when you choose to do something and you go and do it, that, that came from your heart is what they would say. And so when Jesus uh, refers back to this passage and he quotes it, uh, we have that in the New Testament. The New Testament was written in Greek. The Old Testament in Deuteronomy was written in Hebrew. Well, the New Testament adds your mind, right? So it says, Jesus, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, because that concept of mind is baked within the concept of the heart in the Hebrew. So what Moses is essentially saying is, love the Lord with all your heart, meaning all of your thought processes, all of your choices, all of your intention, intentional actions, yeah, those reflect with love to God. And then soul, soul is even more fun. So I had a seminary professor who played a game with us. You know, we didn't, we didn't know anything. Uh, he, it's, it's this word nefesh. Uh, and so he would put up a verse in English and he would say, the word nefesh is there in the Hebrew of this verse. 
which word is representing it, you know, based on the translation. And we'd all raise our hands and we'd just miss it. You know, and we're like, I thought, like, but, the, but I mean, it kind of makes sense. Like a soul, like what is a soul? Like even in English, that's a, that's a valid question, right? That we could kind of talk about. Well, I think it's this or that. Um, the Hebrew word uh, in the Bible is used for many different types of things. So it, it's your, your inner essence, the, the life force within you. Uh, but it's also translated for things like your throat with breath or your appetite or your greed. It's like these deep desires uh, for life, your wants, you know, that, that aren't controlled, right? Your, your instincts almost. You know, it's, it's uh, when you die, you, you know, you lose your, your life force, your nefesh, you know? And so when he says your soul paired with your heart, He's saying it's all of your intentions, all of your thoughts, all of your actions. Yeah, may those love the Lord. Also, may all those things that you have no control over, the very being, the essence of who you are, may all of that love God as well. And then he says in all your strength, uh, th this one's fun too. The, the Hebrew word is meod. Uh, but every time in the Bible, I think other than this and one other instance, it's used as an adverb. Uh, adverb are your, uh, your L-Y words, you know, like uh, they modify verbs. Um, Quickly, slowly, suspiciously. Um, we can keep going if, if we want. You know, I, I just thought, I just thought, that's two games that we can play at the next church picnic. We can play which word is nefesh and name that adverb. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. But write it down if it's a good idea. I'm, I'll come up with something better. I'll come up with something better. No, but how is this adverb fitting in here? Uh, the adverb itself means greatly or exceedingly. Right? So it's like, love God with all of your greatliness, with all of your exceedingliness. You know, so it, it doesn't, I mean, that's why it's strength. That makes sense, right? It's like with all that you have. But I think what Moses is getting after is he's saying, all of your conscious thought, right? Your heart, love God with all your heart, all of your conscious thought, all of your decisions, all of your actions, all of your choices, let that love God. Oh yeah, and all those parts of you that you don't even really control, right? So that's like your emotions, your personality, this life force in you that just wants to live. May that also life force want to love God, right? Oh yeah, and anything else that you have extra to the max, that let it love God, right? Exceedingliness, in all your exceedingliness, like there is not an inch of you that is not loving God, right? Like, he, like I'm covering it all. You know, we're even, gonna, we're even gonna bend the language here in order that you understand that there is no part of you that is expected to not be postured fully toward loving God. That's what Moses is saying with this heart, this soul, and with this strength. And so what I see for us is that we are supposed to let our love for God be all you are and do. And I, I, I struggled on this slide for a long time when I was preparing because at first I said, let your love for God flavor all you are and do because I wanted it to be like who we are needs to be influenced by God, right? Flavored by God or it needs to be uh, shaped by God or these, these are all things that miss the cut. You know, but as I was thinking about it, I was like, well, Moses isn't really saying that it's like affected by it, you know, as if we have a life over here and God's over here and it's now touching, you know, it's like, no, no, no it, it, like our life comes from that. So then I started thinking like, oh, let, let your love for God um, produce all you are and all you do or change all you are and all you do because like he's the source and we're coming from it. But that, that's not even the concept he's talking about here. He's saying this, this is who you are, is love for God. Like, like there, there's none of this uh, separateness or this process, you know, like we're, we're not there yet, but, but we're letting God influence us. He's like, no, I mean, he's saying everything. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Everything you have, all of it is love for God. So let 
your love for God be all you are and do. And so then Moses takes us into the details. Well, what does this look like? He gives us a few examples. I think I got them up on the screen. So these commandments that I give you today, uh, commandments, he's not just talking about the Ten Commandments. Again, this is the Hebrew word for words. So he's talking about the whole law, all of Deuteronomy that he's telling them at the time. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. So if you uh, weren't here the last couple weeks, we said the Ten Commandments weren't just these list of external rules where you're supposed to follow in order to look good or be justified that, yep, I'm doing all of them. They're actually meant to be on your hearts in that I live the Ten Commandments not because they're commandments, but because that's just who I am. Like, th- like this is who I am and how I live. That's what God wants is, is change people with their hearts. Here he says it right here. All these commands I'm giving you are to be on your hearts. Oh, but not just on your hearts. They're also supposed to be on your children. Uh, not just on your children, in your children. Impress them huh, on your children, right? Talk about them when you uh, sit at home and when you walk along the road. So they're supposed to be on your lips. Um, but, but not just while you're sitting and talking. It's while you're going and doing. You know, you're supposed to be having these laws on your lips, right? When you lie down and when you get up. So while you're asleep, while you're awake, Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. You know, I think this is everything that you're doing, you know, with your hands, everything that you put yourself to, all the work that you have. Let them be there. Uh, Being on your forehead, uh, the Hebrew uh, direct translation is between your eyes. So it's anything that you put your attention towards. May may God's laws be there, be present as well. Also, write them on the, the door frames of your houses and on your gates, the door frames, that's going to be your household. Again, we see this echo that we heard in the Ten Commandments where God cares about the household and who's there. Everyone there, they're going to know that you value and that you love the Lord your God. Oh, also anyone else that you invite in, anyone who enters into your sphere of influence that you have, they're also going to see it. And then your gates, the gates back in that time was where public interactions happened. That was your courts. That was your markets. That's where you talked with people. So everywhere you go, every time you interact with any other people, make sure that the words of the Lord are there as well. Moses isn't leaving any part of life out, right? This reflects those first two verses, uh, four and five. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. And then also take these commandments every single place that you go. Overwhelmingly, let all that you do, right? Let all that you are be love for God, right? Your love for God needs to be who you are and what you do. That's the message here. Uh, How literal was Moses being about keeping these commandments in all these different places? You know, you you might have heard stories, like in Jesus's time, the Pharisees, the the experts in the law would literally write down like these verses, um, and they put them in boxes that they'd wear, um, like on their forehead, on their hands, um, on their clothes, as a way to keep these commandments that Moses had given them. Um, I, I can't fault their commitment, but I think, I think Moses meant a lot more um, than simply, you know, having some sort of unfashionable accessory that you have to wear every day. You know, like my shark tooth necklace I rocked in high school, you know? <laughs> oh, thanks, Tom. Uh, no, he, 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 it's, not, it's not this external, hey, just follow this up. He wants us to be who we are where every single place that we go, we're bringing these commandments. Now, here's the other thing. Did, did Moses want us to bring the law where we actually have to memorize it everywhere we go? What did we say the Ten Commandments represented? I said, I said they're kind of like our wedding vows, 
You know where uh, you absolutely mean your wedding vows when you promise that you'll be there for richer, for poorer, sickness and health, you know, forsaking all others. You know, like, like we mean that, but we're also meaning like more than that. You know, like, like that's like a, a little poetic phrase that encompasses this, this massive feeling, this commitment to love that, that expands way beyond just having and holding, you know, and sickness and health. Yeah, but it's also like, all the other times too, you know? And so it's, a, it's meant to be a representation of your loving commitment to the other person. So if we understand these laws that Israel is supposed to follow as this represents your loving commitment to God. This is your heart that wants to follow him and wants to love him with all that you are. Yeah, bring that everywhere, right? And coming right out of verses four and five, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your strength, and so then these commandments then become not your vows, but maybe something more like your ring, right? Like, like when I do a wedding ceremony, after the, the couple has made their vows, I say, now do you have any rings? You know, this ring represents the vows you have just made to each other. You know, so that even when you are not physically present with each other, you will know that the vows and the promises that you have made always remain and that your love is forever together. You know, something like that where it's the ring itself represents this love that you have for each other. And you're not going to carry that every single place you're going to go to. You're going to bind it to your hands, right? So that you will always remember your loving commitment to your partner. That's like what Moses is saying here. You're going to take these commandments everywhere you go so that it will always be a reminder for you that you have made this loving commitment, this pledge of allegiance back toward your God because you love him and you want to be with him. And so now it's come full circle. When we say, I love Jesus, yes I do. I love Jesus, how about you? You know, then you say it back and yeah, woo! You know, like I remember doing that at Christian concerts in the 90s. You know, I looked up a, a Carmen song, like I Googled that. And then it's funny, um, I like remember that, anyway, I'm t- that's like 80s but I must have been four. Um, Anyway, (laughs) if we say that, and I think we've all probably said it at some point, I love Jesus, or if we even do that sing-song call back and forth to each other, if, if we aren't actually doing anything, or if that love isn't on our thoughts or all throughout our day, do we actually love him, or are we just doing what we're supposed to do, right? Like, like, that's part of the song, that's part of church, that's part of growing up in this household. Whatever it was for you, do you actually love him everywhere? Because if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with our soul, and with our strength, and that's the only proper response, then it should influence, affect, no, it should be all that you are and all that you do. Woo! Now that's a high standard, right? And, and then the question is, well, what does it mean to love God? Right? Um, Sherry and I, we had a conversation uh, last night. She just finished a book about, uh, it was like a high school couple that fell in love or something. And so we were, we were just talking about like the nature of love and how, you know, like if you're in high school and you're experiencing love, you know, it's just this exciting, you know, kind of feeling that you can't like control. You're just, you just fall right into it, you know, and it's just thrilling, but it's also like super dangerous because what if they don't reflect it back, you know, and then you're, you're vulnerable, but also, oh, they are reflecting it back. This is thrilling. Like what potential could this be? But then you don't really care about the future because you're all about the here and now. You just want to spend more time with each other and just get to know each other. And then we're kind of talking how we've, we're, we've almost been married like 13 years now. And so it kind of is like, yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of that, but, <laughs> but, but, 
like there, there's not this like, I can't wait to see them next because we literally share a roof, right? We, we share a budget, we share a refrigerator. You know, it's like, we, we see, we're like building things together. And I told her, you know, it's like love, love changes from just this thrill of getting to know the person more to being like, well, let's use this and now build a family, right? Or build, you know, our futures. And now we, now we, I think we know each other really well where it's like, I can now serve you. I can now do things that will help you or uh, I know where you want to go in your career where I think you could go and now I'm going to stretch you, right? The same way you encourage me and pick me up. And how are you doing? And we're more sensitive to how we're feeling. We're more honest with each other. We're, we're able to be more vulnerable with each other because we have built a tremendous amount of trust from that love. You know, and so it's a much, a much deeper love and maybe more productive love, even if it doesn't seem quite as thrilling uh, or dangerous as the love was <laughs> at the beginning. But all, all this to say, uh, I think from, from just our conversation, love would, would consist of these elements— it's, it's being loyal to someone for their good and their pleasure. Uh, meaning this, like you're loyal to them, meaning I'm committed to you, right? I'll be there for you when you fall. Just think, think not just like, like uh, spouse love, just think like friends, you know, or family, you know, parents, children, you know, whatever it is. If you love someone, it means I'll, I'll be there for you, you know, and, and for what? For their good, right? I want you to make good decisions. I want to help you. If you're feeling really down and out of it, help me, let, me, let me point you back to where you need to go, and then I want you to enjoy it. Right? So it's not simply, I need you to make all the right decisions. No, I want you to enjoy this life. That's what I think love is on a human-to-human level. Right? What does this mean if we're supposed to love God then? Like, work for God's good? <laughs> I mean, isn't he good? You know, like, how am I going to, like, help him? Right? You know, or uh, when he's down, I'm going to be there for him? <laughs> you know, like that, does, like, that doesn't work. But, but try it on. Keep, keep going with it. Right? Like, what would it mean for you to maybe have that love of a, a high schooler, right? Just falling in love or, or someone with just a fresh love experience where you just want to spend more time to get to know them better. You can't wait for that next moment. Yeah, there, there could be a little of that between us and God or even, or even further, right? Well, what, what if you, you kind of know a little bit more about God? You understand what he's doing in the world, the things that pleases him. Well, now how, how can I align my actions, my desires, so that I can please him, so I can partner with him on his mission to bring the world back to this restoration, you know, back to the Garden of Eden where, where he, he designed all of us to be. That's where we can pursue. That's what it looks like for us to love. And I want to give a little encouragement by giving a little discouragement. I know it doesn't make sense, but the way that the, the word love is used here in Hebrew Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. Uh, do you know uh, where in the Bible it says someone loved God? With, with, with like those words, this verb, and God being the direct object, the recipient of this love? No one. It never says anyone loved God. Now, I, and I, someone, someone even hypothesized, I was reading, uh, do you remember when Jesus was restoring Peter? Uh, I'm going way off, off topic here and I'm not bringing you the passage. So after he resurrected, he meets with Peter. He says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter couldn't say, yes, I love you. He would use this other word, which means like brotherly love. And Jesus was like, no, 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 but do you, do you like agapo love me? You know, like, 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 like this kind of love me. And he's like, I guess, <laughs> you know, it's like, because we recognize the level of commitment that this kind of love means and the level of commitment that God is inviting us to. This is the standard, all that we are, all that we do. Not it influences a little bit. You know, it's like what we're supposed to love God with is with ourselves. 
And not just a part of ourselves or most of ourselves. No, everything. Even the parts you're not controlling, right? You're not even aware of all of that. Goes God, if you find any little extra in a corner, yeah, that's God's too. You know, love him with that. So let's not settle for loving him with anything less. Let's not just invite him in. Let's not be uh, comfortable with just allowing him to influence our lives. Uh, Let's open ourselves up to, to letting ourselves be love of God and wanting to respond back to him with that love. Uh, Let's pray this morning and ask that that might be our heart. Dear Lord, um, we thank you for your love. We recognize that you still love us and that you want to partner with us. You want us to be your people, uh, for you to be our God um, and for us to show the world what it looks like to have you as our God and for us to faithfully follow. you know, God, that we say we love you. Um, we, we want to love you. You know, this is our pledge of allegiance. And, and Lord, we also recognize that um, our, our hearts just aren't quite there yet. Um, but we want that. Uh, may you be gracious to us, have mercy on us, and also help us, equip us. Uh, let your spirit fill us up that we might be able to love you better and love you in ways where you might be benefited and that you might be pleased, Lord. We choose you. We want you. May you see us and may you be pleased with our, our attempts and our desires, Lord, and line up our actions and our thoughts along with those. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, now, normally, we break into small groups and we discuss little questions about what we've talked about. Um, but as I was thinking about this sermon, I feel like the only conversation we need to have is probably between us and God. And so I want to create a space where it's just us praying before God. I'll stay up here and I'll kind of direct you on what you're supposed to say. Um, But talk with God. Just have that conversation by yourself and then just get to know him. Go a a little mini date. I'll give you 10 minutes. (laughs) You know, it's a speed dating, right? All right. (laughs) To start, drop everything that you've got going on, any stress, anything that you brought into you, into this room, plans for the rest of the day, take a deep breath and welcome God. You know, say hi to him, let him come. This is the great God of the universe and he cares immensely about you. He wants to talk. take some time and thank him for the love that he has shown you personally. Tell him all the things, all the ways that you see his love. share your response. Whatever your gratitude toward his love leads you to, tell God. Share with him.
and now ask him specifically how you can love him in your family life or at home. talk with him about what it could look like to love him while you're at work or while you're making plans. loving him could look like when you're out in the public or when you're around others. final thoughts, whatever is left, whatever you want to tell him, give him a hug, tell him goodbye, whatever it looks like. Set up a next time to talk. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You guys can feel free to stay and chat or make up your own questions about the sermon if you want. But as you go this week, choose to let your love of God be all you are and all that you do. Go this week in the Lord's peace.